Hello, my name is Kayla. And my name is Camille. And this is Living Two or More. A podcast where we interview people who are biracial. We talk about identity, family traditions, belonging, and so much more. This has been a passion project for Camille and I for years. Life got in the way for a little bit, but we are so happy to finally release these episodes. Each episode will also include a check-in with the person, since a lot has changed for all of us. Thank you to everyone who encouraged us to release these episodes. It was an honor to talk to all of these people. Thanks and enjoy living two or more. Ricky Stewart, a.k.a. Echo the Savage, is a recording artist and owns his own recording studio. We got to sit down and talk to him about moving here from the Philippines and how his experience helped shape his music. Please enjoy episode four of Living Two or More and stick around after to listen to what Ricky has been up to. So thank you again. Welcome to our show. Absolutely. Thanks um, for having me. Yeah, of course. So we'll be interviewing Ricky today. Um, we just want to start with the question, what is your ethnicity and background? I'm Filipino and white, I guess. Cool. And your mom? My mom is the Filipino side. I was born in the Philippines, actually. And um, my my dad was in the Air Force, Navy Air Force, and that's how they met my mom. My mom was a commander in her ROTC at a private school in the Philippines because they were pretty wealthy out there. It wasn't always like that, but, uh, yeah, so that's how they met. And, you know... I, I, I happened uh, shortly after that. And yeah. So my mom already had five kids before that. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it certainly is. Mm-hmm. Not over there, though. It's pretty typical. You see a is lot it? Of, yeah, a lot okay. of larger families. It's a totally different world. It's yeah. an eye-opening experience. Mm-hmm. I, went, when I, I went back again when I was uh, 14 years old. I think it was the right time to go back. Yeah. My little sister, actually, Mia... Uh, she went and she went to school there for a couple of years, actually. So she stayed for a lot longer. And she was, it, was, it must have been weird for her because she was like only 14, 15. Mm-hmm. And every, all of her peers were 10 years older than her. And, you know, uh-huh. treating her like she's one of the one of them. And, you know, she's a little kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's uh-huh. totally different, totally different vibe. But it is, it, it's crazy over there, man. In uh-huh. a good way, in a bad way. If you smash the, the heart of a jungle with the heart of a big city, you get the chaos that is Manila, the Philippines. Wow. Know, so it's pretty chaotic. Yeah. yeah. I've never been. No. Yeah. They have lots of little cars, weird traffic that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, <laughs> They're all driving these jeepneys, and everybody's on public transportation. Everybody is Uber out there, except for their version of Uber is uh, a dirt bike with a, a, a little metal... <laughs> seat that was welded on probably the same day (laughs) (laughs) the little wheels and you know that's how that's how everybody does it there it's like 11 lanes of utter chaos and they're all going you know the opposite (laughs) it's crazy out there but i like it i would go back i want to go back it's a big it's a big plan of mine to do that nice oh cool yeah i got a lot of family out there still i don't know a lot of them yeah and Mm -hmm. i don't have enough to gallag under my belt to speak to them Mm -hmm that well yet but my hope is that i get to spend more time out there and you know develop a a a deeper love for my 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 original country i have dual citizenship there and that's where i guess i was born there yeah right right clark air force base Mm -hmm. it's a pretty popular one out there so but yeah cool that's really cool you have dual yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) i'm always envious of people that have dual citizenship yeah i think they make you you, they make you choose um i think i might have already gotten past that point but you know it would be easy for me to definitely get back in over there yeah 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 
Cool. Yes. Mm -hmm. So how old were you when you moved here? Before I could remember, really, I have my first earliest memories are in Austin, Texas. You know, okay. Fireflies and fire ants. We <laughs> got a lot of uh, military out there, too. So yeah. actually yes. what had triggered this, it's pretty crazy that... Uh, I'm kind of revisiting this stuff because it's it's wild if you if if, if you actually think about what happened. There was a um, volcano eruption, in Mount Pinatuba. It happened again ten years later when I was in third grade, and I just saw about it. And you know, the class made me do a report on it as a kid. But um, in nineteen the ninety, uh, that's when it happened. Or actually, in the beginning of nineteen ninety one, um, we were evacuated, and oh, then wow. you know so. We, we pretty much went directly to, I think they stationed in Australia for a second, but then they sent us over to California, and, you know, that's where things started, you know, started up. But my earliest memories, like I said, are in Austin. But, okay, uh, we, sweet. So what do you do, Ricky? You I've been in music since I was a kid. Uh, when I was really young, I wanted to be a graphic designer, and you know, uh, but then that kind of developed into more of a, a love for music. I was really into Linkin Park as a kid. <laughs> You know, really into, you know, Tupac and Slipknot and just like really aggressive music that was very anti-authoritarian. You know, that was my niche. You know, I liked that type of stuff as a kid and I really wasn't very good, but I worked very hard at trying to become good. I'm decent now at a, a number of different things and the collective of which I used to produce records for a lot of different local artists, but yeah, since, yeah. No, since you've lived in like other places, I don't know if you've lived anywhere other than Austin and here in California. Obviously, you've lived everywhere, but have you noticed? Did you ever notice that anywhere else? Like, yeah, growing up, like where it was like. I mean, I grew up wanting to fit in with white people, man. Yeah, I mean, nothing but white people. Being like an Asian kid in a new environment. Yeah. But I go to school. And my food smells different than everybody else. I get packed leftovers because my mom wanted to put us through private school, but we cut everything in order to afford that budget. Mm -hmm. So we are acting like we we're high class, but we we ain't, man. We never were. You know, we were having these large meals that were cooked um, for the whole family, mm -hmm. and you know, meanwhile, I got judged by Lunchables and Gogurts. All day long. And, you know, it's just, it got old after a while. Yeah. And that, that wanting to fit in with yeah. the white kids turned into really not wanting to do that anymore. And almost being angry as a kid. Mm -hmm. I was probably angry at a lot of my situations as a kid. But, you know, I, I did move around to a lot of different areas. I was in L.A. for a while. I was in uh, Fresno, California, which is, I, I went to middle school, which is totally different than my private school experience as a, mm -hmm. as a, as a, from fourth to like seventh grade. Okay. And then I got expelled for fighting a white kid and you know how that goes. But the, oh the guy God, called me retarded was... and he did it a lot. And so I got oh mad God. and I yeah. fought him, you know, that's just how it goes when you're a kid. Kids are cruel. Mm -hmm. And if I saw him today, I'd be like, Hey, I'm sorry, dude. Yeah. yeah, shouldn't have probably done that. Mm -hmm. But I was a kid. We were kids. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you'd probably be like, "Well, I probably shouldn't call you retarded so much." Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. But you know that happened, and then I, and my mom was like, "Okay, you want to act tough? We're gonna send you down to L.A. You're gonna live in Fresno, and you're gonna go to school." And that's where I went to school. You know, I went to school where it was a predominantly Mexican and black environment, mm -hmm. and I never felt more at home. Yeah. I never really wanted to leave, but gang violence got really bad where I was, and so my mom wanted me back. So she, you know, had me come back. Mm -hmm. wasn't my choice. I yeah. was a minor, you know. So diving into deep areas of, like, total difference in culture, you know, even just going beyond being biracial, you know, it definitely is a different... It's a different 
experience for me, totally, you know what I mean, right, uh, being biracial, but when you see people that really are the have-nots and then you cross-compare them with people that are super eloquent and even super nice and super educated, it's it's hard for you sometimes mm -hmm. as a young man to, to see that and not feel like you haven't, like, like you got the short end of the stick, like you've been cheated by these people who have such rich culture and rich history that they documented and they all play classical instruments and they can afford awesome stuff. And, you know, I was angry about that. And I saw a lot of hypocrisy in all the Christian churches that I went to. Um, you know, Filipino people are pretty religious. It's, well, yeah, I mean, I kind of had a similar experience. I had a learning disability and it was hard, you know, kind of like having to take extra time to like learn stuff. And um, just because of the background that Asian people are supposed to have, mm -hmm. and, you know, in America, which is, oh, you guys are all real smart, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, so I felt all that extra pressure and not, me not being like extremely into academics. It's obviously somewhat of a disappointment for yeah. the women in my family. And like, I didn't have a, you know, a whole lot of male influence in my life ever really growing up. My dad and my mom split up when I was pretty young. And uh, my mom, single, single motherly, raised us, all five of us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, it was just in a different experience. I didn't, I didn't have a lot of exposure like that to, uh, in fact, most of my experiences with white men have been them trying to come and take over my family by marrying my mom. And, you know, so I just see that associated with this really kind of, kind of Viking, tyrannical, um, germs, guns and steel type mm -hmm. DNA that I kind of have. You know, my dad's a white guy with red hair and he's Scottish. And the, if you look at human history, it doesn't really get more brutal and like uh just like they really would kill almost anything and anybody you know for out of you know sheer survival instincts you know due to circumstances of their environment and their their uh climate and yeah. terrain you know like having access to steel and having to be in an environment where it's so cold that you're going to have to figure out how to stay warm as opposed to other environments where their climate and you know um the, the, the amount of resources they have out of their general environment cause them to not really have to do that type of that type of stuff, not have to hunt so hard or whatever, you know, that's when you think about conquistadors coming over and taking over a lot of South America and them never seeing a horse before and seeing shiny, mm -hmm. scary people on with covered in metal and they never seen that, you know, it's just like it, 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 I, I look at that and then I look at, uh, you know, the people of Spanish descent that it came to the Philippines too, you know, because people, the, the white man, you know, from the European colonies mm -hmm. um, throughout history have gone and spread their ideals and, you know, almost just like throughout anywhere that had uh, a lot. I think the only people that come closer, the um, Genghis Khan, you know, from as many people and that have been murdered in the mm -hmm. name of just taking over, yeah. you know, just thinking about it, you know, like the, the social science behind it all. It's wild because I think about who I am as a person and what my values are. Mm -hmm. And I don't really, I'm not interested in how much can I gain or how successful can I really be? Do I want to be successful? Yeah, but just so that I can do what I really feel like doing, which is being an artist and being creative. Yeah. But everywhere I go, there's pressure of success and it's very racially fueled lately, mm -hmm. you know? And that's just my perspective. It's what I'm seeing a lot of.
Um, so how long have you lived here and what made you move here to Portland? I guess you live in Beaverton, but to, the, to Oregon. My mom and my dad split up and my mom wanted to uh, have a different environment to raise us. And, you know, things were kind of slipping up in Seattle, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, everywhere you go, you got gang violence, up yeah. in, you know, yeah. so with uh, having my mom had a bunch of teenagers on her hand, young women, she wanted to try to figure out a, a way that she could control the the situation mm -hmm. a little bit more as a parent. So that was her answer. She got a good job down here. And if anybody been through any sort of oppression as somebody who is, I mean, she was a female, dark skinned woman you know, in a corporate environment. You know, she's not anymore. She doesn't do that anymore. God bless her because she found that she's a lot more interested in the healing arts and naturopathy and things like that, that, you know, um, make her feel good. She was a massage therapist for a long time, but, you know, I mean, she grew up with, even in Philippines, there's a, there's different forms of racism all over the world. It's crazy yeah. to think mm -hmm. about it. Yeah. Um, but they actually bleach their skin out there because they want to be whiter. You know, there's a whole, it's, a, oh it's, a, it's yeah, it's, it's practice just like people can, but it's a lot more oh, extreme. They have yeah. like a special skin bleach. It's not good for you, but oh you know, it sets them, it sets them, separates the more fair skinned Chinese descent Filipinos from, you know, the kind of, uh, black, Mm -hmm. darker southern even islamic mm -hmm. filipino people you know and my mom grew up with people calling her um you know a filipino swear word for black people you know very similar to the words that we hear all the time in our rap music and it's totally different it's mm -hmm. a totally different experience man i think about a lot of these people here in portland and their views of of everything seems so local and I don't mean that in like a great way like yeah support locals I mean that in, wow this is a pinhole vision of the world because the world is so huge yes, and full yeah. of conflict of every kind you could possibly think of and yet all these people think that they have it so figured out and they're the moral high ground and it's like yeah. I, I'm tired honestly mm -hmm. I mean I get tired and sometimes depressed even as an artist and a musician like I wonder um, if I'm going to be able to create music that, that sets the tone that I'm trying to make. I combined metal, you know, because like I said, I grew up, you know, kind of wanted to be with the white <laughs> guys and stuff, you know, hang out with them and be accepted with them and too. And then I, I moved to Fresno where I really got into hip hop and it became almost the exact opposite, mm -hmm. but I never lost what I actually cared about and what I appreciated in music. I like heavy guitar. I wanted to keep that, you know, body count, ice T the band, mm -hmm. you know, ice T he's in a, he's in a band called body count and it's a metal band and he just raps over these guys doing metal. And I see all over the world. I just saw, uh, you know, an, uh, an Italian band, you know, uh, and they're, they're fusing these genres. I myself am a fusion. I'm, white and I'm Filipino and in my eyes and experience those things couldn't be more different from each other through a lot of different hard experiences how to um, be my own man and um, find people even celebrities that I look up to and um, just mimic their behavior and mimic good intention and what my mom did teach me is you know good values and even if I laughed at a lot of the stuff that she said or didn't believe you know, her stance on marijuana or whatever, you know, that she said. Yeah. All the advice she ever gave me was gold, and it was the best I would ever have gotten, you know, yeah. I think. And I'm seeing that all now as an adult, mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to be a better person, how to make it in this industry um, without sacrificing too much of, excuse me, um, of what makes me who I am as an artist and, yeah. you know, without sacrificing that originality. Um, and I just find that to be tough because, 
you know, um, it, it seems like people are, are, are so quick to um, categorize, you know, oh, that's what you do. Oh, you're mm-hmm. hip-hop, or you're, you're metal. I'm in my own lane. I'm trying to make a new product. I'm, I'm trying to take things that have worked in the past, do them again in a different way, you know, with my own, with my own style, my own skis, if you will. Mm-hmm. And that skis comes from my experience as a, a, as a biracial man. And that's really why I was interested in coming on your podcast to share my experience with that because totally. I have a lot, I have a lot mm-hmm. to say on the matter. Yeah, absolutely. Almost too much. So. <laughs> no, this is great. I really love, Ricky, that you have so much um, gratitude to your mom, you know, like being um, a minority and coming and raising five kids. And like you said, being a dark-skinned Filipino um, female in the corporate world for a time being. and um, But raising you, like, to be your own person and you, I mean, I guess discovering that on your own too like without a father i'm curious like um especially for the time that you were in fresno la that area and you said you were going to school uh with a predominantly uh, mexican or latino and black culture and then you being biracial do you feel like you were raised since it was just your mom with a lot of um filipino traditions or do you feel that you got that biracial upbringing still just and but what would that look like if you were surrounded mostly by blacks and latino people i mean did, you, did it feel more multicultural expand on that i felt that black people and mexican people appreciated filipino people more than white people ever did mm-hmm. you know and that's evident in culture um and evident in most of my relationships mm-hmm. um, that I've seen, you know, develop within my family. And, and you know, I have several friends who are um, half Filipino and half black or half Mexican and half black. Because all of my older sisters are half Mexican and half black. So we've always been or not half Mexican, half black, half Mexican, half Filipino. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, me and my little sister are half white. And half OK. So, okay. you know, but. We have a lot of different traditions, you know, um, that definitely come to play. I fancy myself a decent chef. Yeah. Um, I'm now Anthony Bourdain, <laughs> you know, um, one of my favorite white people, by the way. <laughs> I'm sorry he's gone. All right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be who I am without growing up with those home-cooked meals. And, you know, I might have said, yeah, I wanted to fit in with these white kids, but... You and I both know I ate way better than those kids. <laughs> way better than them. I mean, think about it. Everything in American food is corn-based crap, and they love it. And their <laughs> parents don't even bat an eye for microwaving all those Tostino's pizza rolls. Processed. Yeah. My mom rolled each little lumpia perfect. If it wasn't oh, so perfect, it wasn't fried. You don't get to, you know, and I make these whack dumb looking ones and they looked way not good <laughs> she'd swap my hands no you gotta do it better roll that make it better these days i i'm not that good at rolling with you still but um you know it's just a different thing man it's a totally different thing and you know i i don't think that i'm any better because i'm filipino but i consider it one of my strengths i love you know, that you know i really like that and uh I, I value I value what I eat and it's really easy for me to make healthy food because of my experience in the kitchen. It's just, you know, watching my mom who was an excellent chef make food. And it's well I just thought she was an excellent chef. In our culture, you have to cook for a lot of people. So anything you make done with Ponceep, done it you, you gotta do it right and mm-hmm. you gotta do it big. Yeah. You know, and so 
growing up in that you know tradition one of the many reasons why i will never get married to my ex-girlfriend is you know like and i respect people for their beliefs for their beliefs and their stances if you're you know um if you don't eat meat that's great you know there's plenty of way for you to stay in shape without eating meat for me my body likes it (laughs) my 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 family would probably shun me if i didn't eat it you know and um it's a it's a it's a huge staple for for my culture, you know. And then I have you know uh, you know this person that you know was still very dear to me, but her perception on the matter wouldn't. I, I could tell we were we were never going to agree on this. Yeah. Which is, we have lechon, and that's when you take the pig and you feed it an apple, you put an apple on it, and you put it on the spigot, and you roast it Hawaiian style, and that's it. And that's you fry it in a pit, and it's. It's real, man. Yeah. It's about as cultural and 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 uh, you know ethnic as it gets, and unforgivably so. Yeah, and yeah. I wanted to remain unforgivable about that. And, you know, I figured that my parents would definitely want that mm-hmm. at, at the wedding. You know, um, and my family would would wonder um, my respect for cultural tradition to not have one. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and. I'm sure there are Filipinos listening to this like, well, I still think that's stupid. (laughs) Be that as it may, I got a lot of elder people, older, wiser people that I respect that I know that's something that's part of how they grew up. The good and the bad is who I am. And so some of them couldn't accept that, couldn't really accept me for, you know, wanting to be me you know you know and i just you know it's not even that i like it i mean i do love it (laughs) i'm not gonna lie i like it oh i'm sorry um but uh you know it was just a weird thing it was one of these many weird things like okay i probably got to uh i probably gotta be be more connected to somebody who just understands my my background my culture you know a little bit i i don't ever want to change who I am. I think that to be a real American is to bring that culture to America and share it, you know? When I see that, that we have a second chance in this country to try to um, be better about just appreciating each other's culture, because I get more out of it all the time. The more I can hang out with anybody who's a different race than me, that's more good food I get to eat. That's more different things I get to understand. It's all life's full of Easter eggs, man. Little, little mm-hmm. gifts. You don't have to wait for video games to show you awesome stuff. <laughs> you know, there's plenty of cool things. There's they're all over the world, different sites to see, and I plan on seeing them all. I want to mm-hmm. see them all, and I, I want to be able to play my music and, and share what I have to offer as you know, as um, a musician and you know a lot of the background of that it comes from just being who I am as a person so you know I hope that I can I hope that I can continue to do that even though I get depressed I'm never going to stop trying it gets gets tough sometimes I I did a job today and I was hanging out with my uh, saxophone player friend Um, he's a Polish guy Um, and uh, I just said look man sometimes I just want to go to sleep I don't want to even get out of bed today I I get all of these things going for me and nothing but success to look forward to as long as I don't F anything up, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But sometimes I just, I don't want to, I want to stay home. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to chill out and I want to, I want to just focus on, on me. Yeah. And I don't feel like I have time to do that mm-hmm. because it's like, there's so much pressure, the pressure to do well. Yeah. Like I said, even as an Asian man, as a half, you know, yeah. 
crazy. Okay. And then I got nothing but women in my family that all want me to do well. And I want to tell yeah. them, I want to show them that I'm doing good. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I don't let that fear, I don't let that fear take over. And I got back to focusing on my engineering. Uh, I eventually get graduated from Oregon Music Technology School with a degree in audio engineering. Wow. Uh, you know, so awesome. that was a PSU program. They stopped offering shortly after I completed it. I got one guy through it before it ended. But I'm- Well, I'm curious, Ricky, like, you sound so um, sure, you know, and, like, you have a good head on your shoulders, and you know who you are, and you know your purpose. And um, those are, you had some seriously good words in there. And I'm, but I'm curious because you talked about growing up, going through a time when you were really angry, you know. Um, and I'm like, when did that transition happen? Can you recall? Sure, like, yeah. What contributed to that? Well, I'll get deep with you guys. I'm feeling comfortable here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I come from a home of abuse, and uh, it's been not easy for my family, you know. Uh, in our earlier years, there was abuse in the household. There was women um, that got beaten. There were women that got, you know, um, unspeakable things happened to them. And it, it created, uh, a vortex of pain and, and blaming and suffering. Um, and, you know, people that are damaged now do not now doing damage and unintentionally and, and trying to cope with the reality, uh, and deal with, what had happened to them. And, you know, being a man, it sucks because I want to just be like, oh, you know, we're not all fucked up. We're not all bad. And I want to, I want to do better. And I don't also want to sound like I'm just here to uh, brown nose everybody. But like my experience, like I said, you know, with, um, you know, kind of white men and just, Mm -hmm. it's never been all that great. It's never been all that positive until my later years when I started you know, meeting people in educational fields or professional fields, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, you know, my earliest memories of of, of, of my childhood, they're kind of cool. My dad was there for a minute, and then things got pretty bad. And then, you know, we all split up. We were pretty divided, and, you know, sisters, you know, butted heads. And there's a lot, a lot of uh, energy, you know, um, a lot of brokenness and, and a lot of not knowing how to move forward. And so my whole childhood was just kind of growing up watching broken women try to cope with moving forward and, you know, hating kind of who I came from and, um, you know, wondering what that really means for me. You know, uh, a lot of questions got, you know, you know got, you know, uh, <laughs> got asked and I jumped to my own conclusions as a kid, you know, that led me to a lot of negative situations and, I just try to come out from that understanding, you know, that even though I was a really angry kid, there was a definite reason why. And now that I'm an older, sharper person, you know, I had every right to be angry. And I know that and I I want to do more for that kid than, um, than he was able to do for himself. And for anybody else that really feels like they just got shafted when it comes to the, the game of life. Mm-hmm. I have a song called The Game of Life, and it's just about being a domino and this effect, this mass effect of being an American citizen, you know, just being somewhere in the line of that and experiencing all this negativity, you know, tyrants doing tyrannical 
messed up stuff to people and then just living in the wake of the tides just like trying to figure out how to swim away from this you know and that's the thing that happened in my life is that there was just a lot of anger and a lot of resentment and I wanted to kind of push past that so I was always attracted to heavy music that you know made me feel uh, like I could cope with my reality or that I wasn't the only one feeling like uh, the whole world didn't give a fuck about them you know <laughs> I just uh, I was attracted to the anger in the music because I was angry as a kid, you know? So I like music with yelling, like Slipknot and like Linkin Park, like when Chester, when he was still alive, he was screaming a lot in some of the certain parts of the songs. And, you know, and uh, I also kind of make fun of it too, too, because it's one of my favorite comedians kind of use it as a way to, <laughs> it's a joke, but some the, the records were great. And as a kid, it was an undeniable connection. You know, same same kind of connection that a lot of white people have with Eminem, yeah. you know. But I had that with uh, um, Linkin Park, and I had that with Nirvana and Jimi Hendrix, and Foo Fighters is a big one for me, and Chevelle, which is a Seattle band that I really like. Um, but then also growing up noticing that, hey, most of these dudes are white. There's pretty much n not a lot. You know, just seeing that it was a, uh, it was a white man's game, man. It was like... It was something that I wanted to take back. It was something that I wanted to give. You know, I wanted to create a new brand that people, Asian people, multicultural, half Asian, half American people can really um, resonate with. The big focus here is to just make sure that there's a way to represent uh, a culture that barely ever gets any, any, get any sort of recognition mm -hmm. from music and art, you know, out yeah. here. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm really interested in hearing what like the reception has been like so far since what you've released and like, especially with the Portland community. Yeah. It was a great night that night because I was hosting and my whole family was there and cool. you know, they had, they were very receptive to it. It's a hip hop crowd, a songwriter crowd. And, um, I get a lot of people that come up to me afterward and say, hey, man, I'm really glad you're doing this. You know, um, it's just refreshing to hear somebody's uh, approach to this because it's, it's pretty good, you yeah. know. And I'm, I'm sure that uh, sharing bills with these people that are kind of predominantly white bands or even hip-hop bands, you know, um, I think that it'll be, it offers something different. It's different. It's something new to enjoy. It was amazing. Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. Thank you for being thank really you, like raw and honest and no yeah, problem. willing to speak to us. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. I'm glad. I hope it didn't sound dumb. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. I think yeah, both Kayla and I were just like, wow. Like, you know, like, this is great. Yeah. Really good. Wonderful stuff. Thank um, you. It's been a pleasure to, have, to be on the show. And you guys want to find more about me, follow my Instagram. Um, it's at Echo the Savage. You can check out my music on there, my new releases, uh, the progress with the band members I choose. You know, this all kind of ties into the recording studio. You can follow that. It's Brave and Fortune Music. Well, thank you, Ricky, for joining us again. Uh, I know it's been a while since we last chatted, and we just thought that we'd give um, the people we interviewed another chance because it's been so long. So we just kind of wanted to catch up, see what you've been up to, and talk about anything that you wanted to talk about. Sure, yeah. You know, I'm at my recording studio now where I work. That's pretty much what I've been up to, just yeah, recording I, music. 
yeah, I think when we first chatted, was your recording studio open yet or? Uh, I think it was still in the process of being built. Okay, that's what I and, thought. And uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't all the way completed yet. Uh, I think I had actually just gotten the uh, approval from the city to go ahead with the construction. You know, so now I've been functional for almost a year now. Wow. Uh, things have progressed very rapidly. This has just been a, a really crazy year for me. Um, a lot has, a lot has uh, developed and it happened all a lot faster than I, I, I thought it would. You know, when you open a small business... Um, it, it, it's a, it's a scary thing. You invest a lot of money into it and, uh, you have no idea whether or not it's going to work out. Of course, you try to do your market research and, and figure out what the, the climate is, if, if a business like this could survive. Um, but even through COVID and everything, it's been resilient. People just, um, they need to record and they need marketing and that I guess doesn't change, mm -hmm. you know, um, when COVID hit, uh, I was doing a lot of events that all just stopped abruptly. So I was like, oh, no, that's a big chunk of my paycheck that's basically going bye-bye mm -hmm. for who knows how long. Um, but that also just gave me um, gave me some time to just focus more on my studio, focus more on developing some skills. Um, and, uh, yeah, I actually just have... A, a way larger client base um, even after that. So, you know, things have been moving up. Besides that, my personal music career has has taken off quite quite rapidly. I recently signed with Sony. I now get to do what all of this was about in the first place. is It's a dream come true in a lot of ways. You know, to have a successful small business is awesome especially when it's doing stuff that um, I like to do. Um, but what's even better is now I get to utilize those skills and resources and focus on my own music. And, you know, that, that has been recognized by a major label. I've, I feel really good about it. You know, I, I, like I said, I don't know what's going to happen next with everything. Um, but based off of how things have gone, it, it's probably just going to continue to get better. And, um, you know, so, yeah, I think that, that, that's, that's just basically where I'm at. I, I'm sorry. Awesome. No, congrats. That sounds that's really cool. <laughs> that's amazing. Like that's a huge label. So you've made some really big strides since we've last talked. That's yeah. wow. Um, well, like, so I guess the other, the other thing we wanted to talk about is I know you've had a chance to listen to your episode, um, was there anything that you wanted to talk about that you talked about there or that you feel like you didn't get to talk about when we first interviewed you? It was the first podcast I actually ever had. Mm -hmm. So thinking about it and knowing who I am now, even, I don't know, maybe it was two years ago or a year and a half ago, I'm just a different animal. Big mm -hmm. thing between that person and who I am now is... You know, I had the balls to try to do what I was doing back then, but now I have the confidence of knowing because it worked out. And so I don't have any fear about the future. Yeah, you know, I said I didn't know what's going to happen, but I think I do know what's going to happen. It's just going to get better and better. There's no obstacles in my way. Um, and it's going to continue to uh, it's going to continue to be a big year for me. And, um, you know, I really wanted to do this before I turned 30. I was like, all right, I got to make it in music before I turn 30. Otherwise, I'm going to start feeling pretty weird. I don't know. I don't want to say I've made it because there's so much that I want to do that I haven't done. 
but you know, I know where my next paycheck's coming from, yeah. which is a real nice change. Um, yeah. I don't, I have a little bit of financial freedom, which is another nice change. Um, and, uh, that is another big difference between me and the last time that we all spoke is that I had no idea how it was going to play out. I was doing way too much stuff. Um, and you know, just hoping, hoping one of those things would work out. Uh, but what ended up happening is they all just kind of up, ended up helping each other. The events ended up helping the studio, which helped me get clients, which helped me meet people and the success with the clients that I had you know, help me meet more people that I would be interested in collaborating with creatively. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a very, very blurry line between work and pleasure for me right now, you know, being a person that really enjoys his work. We'll have to like do another one in like two more years. Catch me on the yacht. Great, Ricky. That's really awesome. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us. Um, we're really excited about releasing these guys finally. Um, I guess, is there anything else you want to add before we, before we let you go? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, to talk really about the focus of your guys' podcast, being a biracial person in America, um, I've been able to use that more and more to my advantage. There was something that I had said on that podcast. I said, you know, I don't... Being Filipino American doesn't make me better than anybody else, but I see it as one of my strengths. And, you know, uh, I've been able to celebrate that a lot more, uh, meet a lot more Filipino artists in the area. Talilo was just over here. He's a youth advocate. Uh, and he works with uh, a lot of uh, foster kids and you know, kids that are in group homes. And, uh, you know, we're having a lot of great opportunities to give back to the community. And uh, he, he, he was able to you know, give me the opportunity to do exactly that. Um, you know, the other thing is, man, things are crazy right now. You know what I mean? Oh, With yeah. the COVID happening and then all the protests happening, like literally at the same time. Um, and, you know, I'll be honest, being online, like on Facebook and, and Twitter, it's exhausting because mm -hmm. of all the comments of, you know, and, uh, you know, kind of like when, you know, our president was elected, you see a lot of people in your friends group that were pretty much secretly racist or pretty much secretly had no idea that you had no idea that, that they behaved that way or believed these things so passionately that you so strongly disagree with, you know, or are disgusted by, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and I made a post kind of going nuts. I was going crazy. I had been sleep deprived from working in the studio too long. And I made the mistake of scrolling through Facebook. And I almost threw my phone against the wall because all, all I was seeing is just people hating and yeah. not understanding and that everybody also feels like they know what they got to do they know what the next solution is nobody knows what to do and i think that was the main point of the post that i made it was like is anybody else going crazy because you know i want to do the right thing here i want to go out and support the protest i want to help people um you know i want to bring light to the real issues that are at hand here but i don't know what the fuck to do about this stuff mm -hmm. i don't think really anybody does and a lot of the solutions that people are talking about I don't know if I agree with all of them. You know, I know that we are, we have an issue right now with people of color being mistreated by police. And we have a systematic oppression it's, it's a, that, that is people are in total denial of. And it's crazy to me that that's, that they're in total denial of this. Um, and, you know, so I, I, I went out to the protest 
you know, my, my roommate, Chris, got shot in the leg um, with a rubber bullet. Uh, you know, I, I, I helped a kid, a little white kid got pepper sprayed in the face by a cop. And, you know, I watched it happen. I was amazed that this was real life. And this is Portland, Oregon, which is yeah. mainly a pretty peaceful city, you know. And, uh, you know, this type of stuff is happening out here. And it, it, it's interesting to see what people are saying uh, and, and what they're fighting for. But, man, I, I'm hearing so many opinions about what is this about? What, what are we fighting for? What, what happens when does this end? What are, what do we want to see here? Um, and you know, God damn it, I don't know the answer to these things, and that's why I feel super conflicted about everything that's happening. I know that the right thing, obviously, is that we need to make sure that people of color, you know, don't feel scared to walk out of their house. That shit sucks, man. Um, you know, nobody likes to be profiled. I've definitely grown up being profiled you know, just depending on where I lived at the time. When I was living in California, you know, in a predominantly black and brown community, you know, the way that I talked was different. The, the way I carried myself was different. I wasn't hard like a lot of these gangsters. I became hard from being there, but I wasn't like that at first, you know? Um, and then going back to a predominantly white community after that, I was brown to them. So, you know, that's a lot of what I think a lot of people that are biracial have to deal with is they have an identity crisis. They yeah. don't know who the fuck they are. Are they, Am I yeah. black? Am I white? Am I brown? I don't know. Am I, you know, I, I'll, I, and I've come to the conclusion that, you know, I am who I am uh, and I accept who I am. I love who I am and I celebrate who I am. Uh, and I encourage everybody to do that, too. Um, you know, you can't apologize for who you are. That's not something that you have any control over. Mm -hmm. But. If, if you can recognize what the problem is, you need to do something. You can't just sit back and act like this shit's not happening. And so after I went out to the protest and, and really saw what was going on, saw what people were fighting for, um, you know, I, I was confused, honestly. But I knew one thing, and that's that I needed to do something to help the community. So what my recording studio is doing right now is we're providing free recording for uh, specifically people of color that have a story they need to tell about what their experience is right now. So um, if that goes out to anybody who hears this, if you are trying to record a song about that, um, you can come and do it here for free and it'll get mixed and mastered and recorded. And we're going to put that content out with a series of other people just like you who have a story to talk about. So awesome. Yeah. So Thank that's all you. I have to say about that. That was great. That was awesome. Yeah. It was so nice to chat with you. And yeah. Hear all that. yeah. Yeah, I appreciate the call, guys. And for anybody who is watching this, please do me a huge favor. Follow me on the Instagram uh, at Echo the Savage. Check out my new music. It's coming out. Um, support the movement by going to Brave and Fortune. Uh, go to at Brave and Fortune. That's my recording studio. Uh, and check out what people are doing on there. Well, we have an influx of awesome new clients, and they're all super, super talented. So uh, check out what's happening locally in Portland, and uh, go to those uh, go to those handles on Instagram and support. Sweet, awesome. Hey, we'll chat soon. Ricky. Thanks, Ricky. Rock on, yo. <laughs> all right, take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to Two or More. 
Make sure to follow us on Instagram at living to or more. If you have any feedback or your own story you'd like to share, feel free to email us at living to or more podcast at gmail.com.